dinner's in. Love Talk Radio. Hello, Nats Town. Welcome to Nats Nightly, sponsored by FederalBaseball.com. This is Patrick Reddington from Federal Baseball. I've got Dave Nichols from Federal Baseball on the line after the Nationals 4-1 win over the Fish in the series opener in Miami. Dave, we'll start with Tanner Roark on the mound. 0-3 and 3 starts versus Miami this season with an 8-0-9 ERA. That's not a typo. Uh, 3-5-3, 4-29, 500 line against and 15 innings pitched, prompting the Nats to go back to the drawing board after each start, in Dusty Baker's words. Uh, Baker said today that they worried Barry Bonds might have figured something out and maybe Rourke was tipping his pitches or something. I uh, thought it was interesting. I'll just note that there was a hit-by-pitch in the first at-bat of the game. He uh, drilled uh, Derek Dietrich, first one up there. Dietrich didn't look too amused by it, but... Roark had a good night on the mound, three scoreless on 40 pitches, uh, three and a third scoreless before uh, Ozuna hit a home run out the left, the line drive blast, four to one at that point, though. Roark goes six and two-thirds, six hits, one earned run, two walks, seven Ks, 108 pitches, 10 ground outs on the day, gets the win, as I put it, uh, in the postgame exercises his fish demons after that, and I guess we can put all that the uh, fish have Roark's number stuff out of the yeah. Out of our minds, out of his mind, hopefully. A good start by Roark down there in Miami tonight. You know, it's it's probably completely coincidental that it becomes public that one team thinks that he's tipping his pitches and a guy with <laughs> control probably hits, hits the bat, first batter of the game with his first pitch. Probably completely coincidental there. Um, <laughs> I definitely don't read anything into it. Right. Um, you know, Roark was good tonight. Um, here, here's the thing. It's just the, the vagary of the schedule probably played more into his poor numbers against uh, the Marlins to this point more than anything else. I mean, I've always taken the, the you know, this team's got this guy's number with a grain of salt type of thing. Um, he was good tonight, generated the ground balls. Um, eliminated the, the, the damage, uh, got a big lead early, and then just kind of held the Marlins down all night. He struck out seven and six and two-thirds and, um, you know, had a, had a good slider going. Uh, really strong effort for, for Roark, and um, and hopefully we can put to bed these ideas that, that the Marlins have his number or whatever, because it's really just kind of silly. <laughs> Justin Nicolino on the mound for the Marlins. I think the Nationals have his number. 0-2 oh, in two, and two career starts versus the Nationals for tonight with a 9.58 ERA. Gave up five hits, five walks, four runs, and four and two-thirds when he faced them in Washington last week. Uh, quick first, but Zim uh, hit the home run. Ramos doubles in a run. Michael A. Taylor hit the two-run home run to put the Nationals up 4 nothing in the second. That was all the scoring they needed. They looked like they were rushing towards the night out in the town of Miami after that. Some quick innings for Nicolino as he kind of settled in, but Nats got all they needed there. Good to see Zim showing some power. Michael A. Taylor gets the start because Dusty Baker said he likes to start players near his hometown, and he really ripped into one there, put a line drive out the left, the doubles in between by uh, Anthony Rendon, who's continuing to heat up at the plate, which we'll discuss in a moment, and Wilson Ramos to drive in a run there. Yeah, you know, this was an interesting matchup because Nicolino uh, gives up a lot of contact. Um, he had only struck out four in 24 innings this year coming into this game, and that's not a typo. Um, last year he struck out only 23 in 74 innings. So um, this is not a strikeout guy. He gives up a lot of contact. Um, he struck out uh, two tonight in five and a third, so that's about his, about his average. Um, 
it, it seemed like that once the Nats had that big inning against them, they just kind of figured, okay, this four, these four runs are going to stick, um, and they went up swinging at the first pitch the rest of the night. I, think, I don't know if they, they thought, this guy's giving up a lot of contact, I'm going to get my cuts in, but um, I guess he's just, uh, um, he lives around the plate and um, you know, gives up a lot of contact, and, and the Nats made some good contact on him there in the second inning. You mentioned Zimmerman, and it seems like Zimmerman always hits a really long home run in that monstrosity of a ballpark they've got down there. Nice to see Taylor get good. Yeah, nice to see Taylor get some good wood on the ball too. And um, it's just you know this Nats offense is slowly coming into life. You know, uh, um, I saw Taylor at the top of the lineup tonight, and I thought, you know, yeah, he needs to get some playing time. Revere has shown some signs of life, and then and then the radio guys brought up the fact that yeah, Dusty likes to play his guys when they're in their hometown. And it made sense to, to get Taylor in there tonight and uh, rewarded his manager for, uh, for getting him in the lineup. Speaking of heating up, I mentioned Anthony Rendon, two for four tonight after a single in the ninth, 15 for 37 for a 405 average over his last 11 games, taking a small sample size to make a point, but acknowledging that four doubles, eight walks, nine Ks over that stress. So, uh, seeing the ball well, hitting it well, a double and a single tonight, another good night for Anthony Rendon at the plate, and they need all these guys to start heating up. But I think Rendon in particular uh, is one guy they need to get going. He wasn't hitting like himself early this season. Dusty Baker talked about how the fact that he just wasn't getting the bat head to the ball in time, a little behind there and off. We discussed recently how his uh, struggles last season with injuries and limited at-bats he got might have set him back a little bit, but he seems to be getting up to speed and hitting like the Rendon we know. Yeah, you know, and we talked about it the the first week of May, I guess it was, when we started to go into panic mode about him. Um, he's got a he's got a track record. I mean, this is a guy that, that makes good contact. Um, doesn't strike out a lot. Walks more than he strikes out. Um, and, and he wasn't really doing that the first four weeks of the season. He was um, making weak contact. He wasn't really uh, barreling the ball up. And um, whether there was a, a physical tweak or or a um, a, a, a mental tweak, whatever he's done, it seems like the, the last week to 10 days he's been making a lot more solid contact. I think his batting average has gone up 40 points this week alone. So um, all good signs. Um, maybe moving him down uh, into the sixth spot and moving Worth up helped both guys just have a change of scenery, if you will, um, in the batting order. Worth is, uh, um, you know, drew a bunch of walks in the New York series, uh, had a couple of hits tonight. So, um, you know, it, it in the long run, it really doesn't matter what spot in the order guys hit in, but if if, if the players think that, that it makes a difference, then, then it probably makes a difference for them. So, um, you know, maybe this was a good opportunity to get both of them uh, swinging in a different spot in the order and, and, and getting their games going a little bit. Worth, it went two for five tonight, two Ks on his 37th birthday, so a nice celebration for him, I'm sure, in Miami tonight. I don't know if you saw the Ken Rosenthal report yesterday, but uh, just some off-field stuff with Worth. He reported that uh, he deferred $10 million of the $21 million he's supposed to be getting this year all the way back on October 15th that apparently uh, avoided reporting until now. Rosenthal said FoxSports.com got a copy of his current contract and saw the uh, deferment in there. Uh, it's speculated that it maybe opens up some money for the Nationals to spend this year in season if they need to make additions. Uh, we know there's been issues with that in the past, ownership not wanting to add salary during the season. What do you think about the decision there by Worth to uh, allow them to do that, give them some wiggle room going forward, and 
he's going to get the money anyway. He'll get it in 2018, according to that report, and assuming that's true. But what do you think of the decision on his part and the Nationals are asking him to do that? Well, it's fascinating. And if I read the report correct, it sounded like he was getting an extra million out of it to, to defer that money from this year. So, um, like you said, he gets his money anyway. gives the Nats some room here. Um, it, it's just it, it's fascinating to see these contract machinations and um, and how they work out. And, and if that's the case, is it worth? And we don't know if the team went to worth worth went to the team. Who knows? But um, it, it's just interesting that it ends up um, freeing some money up uh, this year to make the, a deadline acquisition. And you never know. I mean, right now everybody's healthy. Everybody. Um, it seems like they're starting to play into shape a little bit, but um, you know we've seen you know Worth Zimmerman, even Rendon have have in- injury issues. Um, uh, you know Wilson Ramos was finally healthy all season last year, uh, is, is playing well this year. But uh, um, it's always nice to have that wiggle room in case you have to go out and get a player. Um, I don't want to get into the specifics of the play in the eighth inning, uh, ninth inning, top of the ninth. There was a call. A uh, play at first was reviewed on a double play grounder off of Wilson Ramos's bat. Whether or not Justin Bohr came off the bag, I guess, is what they were looking at. But like I said, I'm not particularly interested in the play itself, but in the fact that uh, this is, well, it also delayed our show until 10:30, which is probably what bothers me the most. But the fact that the Marlins had already used their challenge at that point, and uh, you can go out there and basically compel the umpires to take a look. I understand if like one umpire has a question about it or another one does. The fact that you can go out there after you've used your challenge and compel them to take another look at a play kind of makes the whole idea of the one challenge, and if you lose it, you're out of there, even dumber than it already was. So. I'm just wondering your thoughts maybe on the delay there and that rule in general, and I just think it's kind of dumb and ends up making things take longer than they even need to. If you challenge it and you lose your challenge, that should be it as far as I'm concerned. The fact that you can go out there and argue for them to take a look and compel them to do so just makes it even dumber. Yeah, you know, I'm a pro I'm a proponent of, of replay. I think it's a good idea if they can get it right. I think right now um, there are still – several elements to it that they that they still need to tweak. I think you're right that um that it seems kind of silly that you get one challenge but then um can ask for a, a another challenge um that kind of defeats the purpose. Um I think that it's really ridiculous to um to be timing the the, the uh, pitching coach to come out to visit the mound yet there's no time restraint on a replay review. Um according to the radio guys, they were not only reviewing um, whether the foot stayed on the bag, bag but also um, the slide and, and the pivot on the turn. So, um, again, you know, once you open the bag up, they can review anything they want to. And, and what should be a really quick, you know, 30-second video review turns into a four-and-a-half-minute delay of the game. So, so yeah, I think that, that there are still some things that they need to work out on this, and I think they probably will. Um, I mean, if they're talking about altering the strike zone again next year, um, then they should be able to limit these replays into 30, 40 seconds, one-minute tops and get on with the game as opposed to taking a four-and-a-half-minute break in the middle of the game or at the end of the game, I should say. Yeah, I, I agree. When you're More importantly than anything else, you're delaying the game, but you're also making a pitcher. They allow them to throw some extra pitches if it goes on a little long, but you're basically freezing a pitcher out there and making a guy who's just warmed up and come into a game, in most cases late in the game, stand out there and wait a couple minutes between pitches. And it's just, they got to do something about it. I should have qualified when I was ranting incoherently there that 
I am a proponent of this replay. Uh, we've joked that the more you look at it, you realize that every single play basically can be challenged and at least looked at and sometimes overturned. But I think for the most part, they're getting things right, and that's a good sign. But some of these delays are getting a little bit ridiculous. I think that I agree. They have to figure out some way of looking at uh, timing the replay, the amount of time you have. If you can't get it in two minutes, then you just can't overturn it or something to that effect. But something has to be right, you know, a little bit there. Yeah, there was a story that came out today or yesterday about, um, you know, raising the bottom of the strike zone to, to above the knee as opposed to the middle of the knee. Um, and, and that's just prompting putting more balls in play. And the whole thing, the, the new commissioner is all about, you know, it's not only just pace of play, but uh, but pace of action. Um, he wants to have more balls in play, wants more action going on. And when the, the when the umpires are reviewing a replay for four and a half minutes, there is no action going on. So I think that's one of the things that, that, if, that if he's worried about um, pace of action in the game, that that's something that's critical that they have to look at. Nationals 26 and 16 after the win tonight. Two more with Miami coming up. Uh, we didn't have a show last night, so I just wanted to touch on what you saw from Steven Strasburg last night. I had a nice view from about 17 rows above first base. Uh, really nice side angle of the pitcher and the batter, uh, the battles they were having, and just how quickly Steven Strasburg and, and Matt Harvey's uh, pitches make it to the plate, how quick that decision is. After sitting upstairs in the press box for a couple of years, it was nice to be down there and get a closer look at everything. Maybe more impressive was the way the balls were flying away from the plate when Matt Harvey was on the mound. Uh, just wondering what you saw from Strasburg on the mound tonight and what you think about Harvey's struggles so far this season. Well, I thought Strasburg was, was, was pretty sharp. Um, the first couple of innings, he was using a lot of pitches, which kind of shortened his outing a little bit. But, um, I mean, there's no arguing that Steven Strasburg, when he's feeling healthy and, he, and he's healthy right now, is one of the, you know, the best five, seven, eight pitchers in the game. Um, I thought he controlled his at-bats, which um, as a pitcher you want to do, and, and thought he was pretty good. Like I said, he wasted a couple of pitches early that I thought added to his pitch count. Um, I hate to see Harvey struggling as bad as he is. I mean, this is a guy that um, that has all the talent in the world, um, looked like he was going to be just one of the best pitchers in the game for a long time, got hurt, uh, was very good last year, and then um, against his doctor's orders and um, and really uh, against his agents, um, decided to, to keep playing past the, the – um, the, the setup that they had for him, and, and you can't you can't fault a guy for wanting to pitch in the playoffs. Um, you've got a chance to win the World Series. Flags fly forever, all the rest of that. But you have to keep in the back of your mind, you know, your long term health and being able to do it um, as a career, not as as you know a couple of years. And um, it's just a shame to see him struggling so much. You, you have to hope at this point that it's either something mechanical or it's it's arm fatigue and it's not building to another injury because it's just a guy that, um, that Major League Baseball really can't afford to get hurt and be out of the game again. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I never wish for anyone to have injuries. I like beating teams when they're at their best. I think that's what everyone should hope for, and hopefully it's just something he has to work through and get back from, but we'll see what happens with him going forward. He is going to pitch against the Nationals again next week, so we'll see if he makes any improvements in that time. Tomorrow they're going to have to face another former Tommy John uh, survivor. I don't, I don't like that word, but it's used all the time, whatever. Jose Fernandez on the mound against the Nationals in the second game of three. He struck out 11 in seven innings and a win over Washington last time out. 2-0, and a 0.64 ERA, 22 Ks in his last two starts, earned him the National League Player of the Week award. 
Joe Ross on the mound for the Nationals or 26-16 and 16 after the win tonight, 4-1 in Miami. Talk to you after tomorrow night's game, sir. Nationals try to make it four straight. Yeah, that ought to be a good one tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Doghouse, how's it going, Axe? Talk to you after the game. Sounds good.